Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. Our hope is that these episodes will help you to experience and celebrate more of God's goodness in your own life. If you'd like to find out more about Celebration, visit our website at happychurch.ca. What's the hardest thing that God could ask you to do? Now, there's probably all kinds of answers to this. So let's think about one. What if God were to ask you to marry a prostitute? And I don't mean someone who used to be a prostitute, but someone who's currently working as a prostitute. Go down to the corner, find them, take them to the church, get married, and then bring them home as your wife. How would you respond if God asked you to do that? Well, in 1990, uh, the movie Pretty Woman starring Richard Gere and Julia Roberts came out. It's the story of a wealthy man falling in love with his prostitute. And it's an unlikely story. And it's produced by Disney, so it's the Disney version of this story. And it's got that Disney happily ever after at the end, which is probably really unlikely. This sort of relationship doesn't normally go in this direction. How would you respond if God asked you to marry a prostitute? And even more importantly, why would God ask you to marry a prostitute? Well, it may sound far-fetched, and maybe it is, but it's happened at least once. Uh, God asked a man named Hosea to marry a prostitute. And that's the story we want to look at today, the story of Hosea and his wife, Gomer. It's found in the book of Hosea. In chapter 1, verse 2, it says this, When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, He said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. Understand what's going on here. Put yourself in Hosea's shoes. He's just graduated seminary or Bible college. He's got his first job at a church. He's beginning to speak on behalf of God to the people. He begins to see all the pretty girls in the church. He begins to wonder who might be his spouse. And God says, forget about all of them. I want you to marry a prostitute. How do you respond if God asks you to do that sort of thing? I think even more importantly, why would God ask Hosea to do this? Well, we don't have to wonder because God answers in the second half of that verse. It says this, This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So God is asking Hosea to do this to make a point that God understands how much it hurts when we deal with unfaithfulness. When someone makes promises to us and doesn't come through and isn't faithful, God understands the sting of unfaithfulness. And the story of Hosea and Gomer uh, is a story about forgiveness and it teaches us about forgiveness and it teaches us how hard it is to forgive. And in the book of Hosea, we see that what God calls us to do this hard thing as his followers, he calls us to be people of forgiveness. And forgiveness is hard, but it's not anything that God hasn't done or won't do himself on our behalf. Well, this is hard. And we're covering some difficult subject matter today. And it's going to be very real for some of us today who are dealing with hurt in our relationships and Forgiveness is a challenge. I want to pray and ask God just to to be with us as we go into his word today. So let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we do pray uh, that you would meet with us today and that you would help us, that we would not only be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers of the word. Help us to find ourselves in the story of Hosea and Gomer and help us to make proper application. Father, most importantly, I pray that we would encounter you today and your goodness as we wrestle through some difficult truths and potentially some of our own personal hurts. 
Holy Spirit, I pray that you just meet each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to talk about forgiveness uh, quickly. Um, and then we're going to get into the story of Hosea and Gomer. Well, forgiveness is this. It's the canceling of a debt, and it's big, and it's complicated. So a couple of quotes, and then I'll make a few quick points. Uh, it says this on the FocusOnTheFamily.com website about forgiveness. Uh, when a wrong occurs, an offender's actions or inactions have caused someone to experience unnecessary suffering. The injustice of that offense creates a relational debt that requires payment. Forgiveness is a canceling of the debt. It's the canceling that you are in your right to demand justice, to want repayment, to exact some sort of revenge for the wrong that was done to you. Forgiveness is laying down your right to those things and willingly canceling the debt. Uh, a website called Symbus.com, both these quotes and the articles uh, they're taken from are in your app notes. It says this, forgiveness is surrendering, surrendering the right to retaliate against someone who has hurt you. It's not the relinquishing of boundaries and dignity, and it's not a cheap or easy thing to extend. I really like that. It recognizes that forgiveness is difficult. It's a challenge. It's a hard thing to do, but it's something that God calls his followers to do. All right, so quickly, a few points about forgiveness to bring clarification to what it is and what it isn't. Number one, I would say this is that forgiveness is a choice. It's a decision you make. It is not an emotion. Now, last week we talked about um, commitment and that our marriage relationships are covenantal and point five was forgiveness and we didn't go into it in any detail, but commitment and covenant is a decision we make. Forgiveness is a decision we make. If you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go back and check it out. So forgiveness is a choice. Secondly, forgiveness is not ignoring, minimizing, excusing, or accepting the hurtful action. On the contrary, it is a recognizing of the hurt. It's an owning of the hurt. It's a naming of the hurt. It's not minimizing it and, and lessening it and saying it doesn't really matter. It's recognizing the magnitude of the hurt, of the offense it was caused, and still saying, even though this big hurtful thing happened to me, I'm laying aside my right to revenge uh, and to be re repayment. It's recognizing the hurt. So that's number two. Number three, forgiveness is not healing or restoration. I believe forgiveness is part of both of those things, of healing and restoration, but it's separate from them. And it's possible to have forgiven someone, to have made the choice to relinquish your right uh, for repayment and still hurt. Like it's, it's possible to have forgiven someone and still years later be hurt by the wrong committed against you. Likewise, you can have forgiven someone and not reconciled yet. You can uh, cancel the debt and not want repayment and not wish them harm and still not be in relationship with them. Reconciliation and healing can come later. It can come much later. They're not the same thing as forgiveness. And then fourth and finally, and this is really where I want to spend the rest of our time this morning is this, that forgiveness is hard. And I want to talk specifically about how do we forgive when forgiving is really hard? Because there's levels of offense. Some things are easy to forgive and some things are hard to forgive. How do we forgive when forgiveness is very, very hard? Well, 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says this. 
says that love is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. I like that verse. I think it recognizes the levels uh, to forgiveness. There, I think it, it identifies two different areas of forgiveness. What I would call irritations and then injuries. Irritations are those little things that just sort of happen on repeat and they bother us, but they're not a big deal, right? Like your, your spouse leaves their bath towel on the bathroom floor again, or they fail to clean up the sink after they're done getting ready for the day. It's a, it's a phrase or a behavior or a mannerism that, that they do all the time and it just drives you crazy. Those are irritations. We have to forgive those things. I think 1 Peter 4 verse 7 talks about those things. It says this, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sins. Some things we should not make a big deal out of. We should just forgive them, forget them, and move on. It's not worth causing friction in our relationship. I would say that's what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, when it says it's not irritable. But then he talks about keeping no record of being wronged. When it's not just an irritation, but it's an injury. Someone has hurt you. Paul, God, through Paul in Corinthians says, those who follow Jesus should keep no record of wrong. Someone may owe you a debt, but you choose to forgive them the debt and move on and keep no record of wrong. I believe that is Paul talking about the bigger issues when we're actually injured and we're hurt and it's hard to forgive. And it's a conscientious choice and a process that requires hard work and repeated intentionality to practice forgiveness in those situations. And so today, as we move in, I really, I want to talk about how to respond to an affair. And I'm using an affair as an ex our example because that's what happens in the book of Hosea. And so Hosea has to deal with an affair. I think there are other injuries that are hard for us to get over, hard for us to forgive, hard to move past in our marriage relationships. But if these truths apply in the case of an affair, I think they apply in other areas as well. And, and an affair would be about as hard a thing as we could deal with. Uh, and so if it applies here, it applies to whatever is hurting you, whatever injuries you may have uh, experienced. Well, there's two ways to get a marriage to work. Number one is get it all right all the time, which is impossible, which leaves us really only one option. That's number two, to get really good at forgiveness, to get good at canceling the debt on the little issues and on the big issues, to get past the irritations and to work, do the hard work of moving past the injuries where you are hurt in a significant way. So we wanna talk about how to respond to an affair. And I think there's two possible responses to this. And we see both from God in the book of Hosea. Hosea is, is an interesting book and, I, and unique in this sense, I think, in that, that God gets very vulnerable with us in the book of Hosea. He kind of opens himself up and he reveals his heart to us. He reveals his emotion. He reveals his state of mind. And we get a glimpse. We get a look at a very emotional God who's dealing with some deep injury, not irritations, but the deepest emotional wounds. And we see God gets vulnerable and he reveals his heart to us. Um, and of course, it's about Hosea and his wife, Gomer, but it's also about God 
and how he feels when Israel has been unfaithful to him. Hosea 1 verse 2, again, it says this, This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So it's a picture of Hosea and Gomer, but it's also a picture of God and Israel and God's heart and his emotional state and how he processes that in light of Israel's unfaithfulness. But more than that, it's a picture of Homer and or, or Hosea and Gomer, and it's a picture of God and Israel. It's also a picture of God and us, and we need to see this. At the very end of the book, the very last verse, Hosea chapter 14, verse 9, it says this, Let those who are wise understand these things. Let those with discernment listen carefully. The paths of the Lord are true and right, and righteous people live by walking in them. But in these paths, sinners stumble and fall. What God is saying in this last verse is what was true of Hosea and Gomer is true of God and Israel. And don't miss this. It's also true of God and you. That God longs for your faithfulness. And when we are unfaithful to God, when we pursue other gods and other uh, sources of love and life and contentment, it wounds God. And it hurts God the same. And we get a glimpse into the emotional state of God. And it's a sobering book. As I read through Hosea several times this week, I would come across certain verses and it would just stop me to think that this is how my behavior makes God feel. That, that when I'm unfaithful to God, it feels to God the same way it feels when a wife is unfaithful to her husband or when a husband is unfaithful to his wife. The same sting, the same hurt, the same damage and injury that that would feel like to experience that is what God feels when we're unfaithful to him. So the first reaction, the first thing we can do how we respond to an affair is number one, we can respond with righteous anger. And we would be within our rights to respond this way. We could want justice. We could want to retaliate. We could want revenge. Our, our spouse has broken their promises. They have broken their vows. They have been unfaithful. And we would be in our rights to demand repayment and to want revenge and to be angry. It would be righteous anger. And God is fully within his rights when he's angry and would like to retaliate and he would like revenge because we have been unfaithful and broken our vows to him. And so God begins to reveal his heart in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 8. It says this, She doesn't realize it was I who gave her everything she has, the grain, the new wine, the olive oil. I even gave her silver and gold, but she gave all my gifts to Baal. Can you hear the hurt in God's words and in God's voice? He's saying, I have been so good to her. I've poured out so much goodness in her life. Why doesn't she just love me? Why isn't it enough? Why does she pursue love and life and attention and affection elsewhere? Why am I not enough when I've been so good to her? So in the story of Hosea, this isn't just a one-time adultery. This is ongoing adultery. So uh, Gomer would go out and cheat on Hosea on repeat. And while she was out, Hosea would try and win her back. And he would attempt to do this by leaving gifts for her on the steps of their home. And he lists them there and he'd leave presents and she'd find them and they were from Hosea, but she didn't recognize it. She thought they were from her other lovers. And this is how God feels when we don't appreciate his goodness 
and love him alone, but find other pursuits and other interests. He calls idolatry and other lovers from his perspective. And the same way that it hurt Hosea, it hurts God when we're unfaithful. And his hurt, understandably, turns to anger. The next couple verses in chapter 2. But now I will take back the ripened grain and the new wine I generously provided each harvest season. I'll take back all those gifts I, I gave her to win her back. I'm taking them back. I will take away the wool and the linen clothing that I gave her to cover her nakedness. I will strip her naked in public while all her lovers look on. No one will be able to rescue her from my hands. He has now gone from her. His hurt has now moved from hurt and he is angry and he wants justice and he wants revenge and he wants to retaliate and he wants to humiliate her and he wants to bring an end to the relationship. And this is how God feels when we're unfaithful to him. When our love is divided, when we have a measure of relationship with him, but we pursue other loves in other gods. This is how God feels. It begins with hurt, but it turns to anger. What, what Hosea is feeling in response to Gomer's unfaithfulness is an illustration. It's a picture of how God feels when we're unfaithful to him. He's hurt and he's angry and he wants to end the relationship and we cannot blame him because he is so good and we've been so unfaithful repeatedly. The book of Hosea is a picture of our relationship with God and how God feels and how we hurt God and how he becomes angry when we're unfaithful to him. We remember that the God told Hosea to marry the prostitute and he says something interesting in verse 2 that so that she'll have children conceived in prostitution. Go and marry a prostitute it says, so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. So God tells Hosea to do this. And then he tells Hosea what to name his children. And it's important for us to see this, that God gives the names to Hosea's children. Why? Because they express how God is feeling about Israel and about us when we sin. It says, he says, she'll have a daughter and you're to name her not loved. That's found in Hosea chapter 1, 6. And he says why he wants to call her not loved. For I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. I won't love them. I won't forgive them. They have hurt me. I'm angry. I will not love them. And I will not forgive. This is an, a peek into the heart of God. Your wife, Gomer, will also have a son, a child of her prostitution. You'll name your son, not my people. You can find that in Hosea 1 verse 9. God says why he's chosen that name. He says, for Israel is not my people and I am not their God. Here, the deep level of hurt that our unfaithfulness causes God. It's hurt and it becomes angry and it's justified and it's to be expected. It's not extreme. He's not overreacting in any way because we've loved and given our affection and pursued and focused on so many other things than him. And he's been nothing but good and loving and faithful to us. It sounds like the relationship is over, over for Hosea and Gomer, and over for 
Israel and God and over for God and us. But then there's this sudden shift in God's heart. He was hurt. His hurt turned to anger that wanted him to uh, seek revenge and end the relationship. And then there's a powerful change. And that takes us to the second response, the second way we can respond to an affair. And it's this, we can respond with forgiveness and love and God's anger changes in chapter two, verse 14 and 15. It says this, but then I will win her back again, once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. I will win her back again. Her, her adultery was ongoing. It reminds me of Jesus telling, Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? And Jesus says 70 times, seven times. You continue to forgive. And God now is expressing this truth in his own life. I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. You see the importance of good communication. I will return her vineyards to her. I will continue to be good to her again. The way I was good in the past, I will be good to her in the present and I will continue to be good to her in the future. This is how God is responding to the affair with forgiveness and love. And my favorite part, the most beautiful part of God's response and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. The marriage is a mess. The relationship is a mess. It's not my fault, but I will do the hard work of canceling the debt and making it work. And it's a beautiful picture. I will walk with you through the valley of trouble. This is a difficult season. It's a hard season because of unfaithfulness in the marriage relationship. We're going to go through a dark, difficult time with no ends in sight, but I will pursue with you until I see the door of hope, until hope is in sight, and they will move out of the valley, out of that desert place, into a place of hope in healing, where the marriage can be healthy again. It's a beautiful picture of what God does for us and what it takes to come back from this sort of injury. There's two ways to make a marriage work. Number one, you get it all right. Or number two, you have to be willing to walk through the valley of trouble together. That's what it takes to move past a big hurt, a big injury. But the beautiful thing for, for those of us with faith in God is that God goes through the valley of trouble with you. The God who knows the sting of betrayal personally, he goes through the valley of trouble with you. God who has walked through the valley of trouble looking for the door of hope on repeat over and over and over again with Israel and all of us who love him. He walks through that difficult journey with those of us who are willing to do the hard work of forgiveness, of canceling our debt and responding with forgiveness in love. I love that it, this passage recognizes the difficulty and the complexity of forgiveness and extending forgiveness when you've been hurt so badly. We'll transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. God is doing the hard work of restoring the relationship and continuing in the
the relationship. He was hurt and he became angry, but then there was a shift in his heart and he was expressing love and forgiveness. But what about the kids? Remember, not loved and, and not my people. What happens to them? Hosea chapter 2, verse 23, it says this, God speaking, I will show love to those I called not loved. And to those I called not my people, I will say, now you are my people. And they will reply, you are our God. It reveals God's heart to us. And I love how it, what it says in Hosea 11.8. This is God speaking. Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? What he's saying is, I love you too much. In spite of the unfaithfulness and the hurt you caused, I still love you too much to give you up. And he continues, my heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. God's love for us flows out of a broken heart. His heart is broken. Our unfaithfulness has broken God's heart. Our repeated unfaithfulness breaks God's heart. But still his love and his compassion overflows. What he's saying is that my hurt and my anger are great, but my love and my compassion for you are even greater. I'd say it this way, that God's covenantal love, mercy, and compassion are greater than our sins. Someone needs to hear that today. As great as your sin may be, as great as your unfaithfulness may be, as much as that has hurt God and broken God's heart, God's love his mercy and his compassion for you overflow for you from his broken heart. What does God do when we return to our sin and our unfaithfulness over and over again? He returns to us. This is the God that we love and, de and loves us. What I want us to see here, what God is showing, what, we, what God reveals to us is that divorce is not the only option. When you go through a significant injury like this, an affair or something similar that just breaks your heart into pieces, it destroys your heart beyond what you think, you think beyond repair. You feel divorce is the only option. Everyone else might say divorce is the only option. Your parents, your friends, your coworkers, they might say divorce is the only option. You have no other choice. There's no coming back from that. Culture would say there's no coming back from that. God would say there is another option. Divorce is not the only option. And actually for Hosea, divorce wasn't an option. So, so the, the relationship ends and then God comes to Hosea in chapter 3 verse 1. It says this, Then the Lord said to me, Go and love your wife again even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people who have turned to other gods and love to worship them. Love her again. Go and love her again, even though she's still in an adulterous relationship. Love her again. Love her in her continuation of sin. God asks a lot of Hosea. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, take a prostitute as wife. That's asking a lot. Then he gets here into to three 
chapter three, verse one, he asks even more, now take her back. She's, you've been so good to her. She's been so unfaithful to you. You ended the relationship. I now want you to go and take her back, even though she's still being unfaithful, even though she's still prostituting herself. Love her again and take her back. He's asking so much, but this isn't even the most that he's going to ask Hosea. It gets harder and harder. In Hosea chapter three, verse two, it says this, Hosea is speaking about Gomer. God's asked him to, to go and to take her back and love her again. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley, and a measure of wine. He has to buy her back. He has to buy his wife back out of her prostitution. What this teaches us is that forgiveness is costly. It's going to cost us to forgive. The, the valley of trouble is an expensive journey. It's a choice we have to make to do something difficult and hard. God asks a lot of Hosea and God asks a lot of us to, he asks us to be people of forgiveness and he asks us so much, but he doesn't ask us anything more than he's willing to do for us or he's already done for us a hundred other times. God's compassion for us is so deep that he bought us back even while we were being unfaithful. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says that God bought you with a high price. It costs God to forgive you. He was hurt and he became angry. His heart was broken, but it overflowed with love. And in his hurt and brokenness, he was loving enough that he was willing to pay that high price. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, it says this, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from your, the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Forgiving someone is expensive. It's going to cost us something personally. It costs God to forgive us more than gold, more than silver, more than costly riches. But because of his unfailing love, he was willing to do the hard work of forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard. I think it's the hardest part of a marriage relationship. How? How do we forgive this way? Well, we look to God as our example. Ephesians 4, verse 32. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We remember that that God's done the hard work of forgiving our unfaithfulness. Colossians 3, 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. We forgive and we're able to forgive the deepest of hurts when we find ourselves in the story of Hosea and Gomer. And we find ourselves there that we have broken God's heart over and over again. But he found it within his heart to forgive us and to do the hard work and to pay the high price required to forgive us. Maybe you find yourself in the story. Maybe you're Gomer. 
and you've been unfaithful. Maybe your unfaithfulness is to your spouse. Maybe your unfaithfulness is to God and you need to seek forgiveness today. Or maybe you're Hosea and, or, and you've been hurt and your spouse has been unfaithful in one way or another and you have to move toward forgiveness. I want to remind you that, that God's covenantal love, His mercy and His compassion are greater than our sin. And He's given us this great reminder, which we call communion, that reminds us of the price that God was willing to pay in order that we could have a relationship with Him, to bring us back into relationship with Him. We hurt Him. He was angry. There was a turning of his heart and he's willing to pay this price for us. It reminds us of his great love. Perhaps maybe you need that reminder today that God loves you. And even though you return to your sin over and over again, God returns to you. Let's take this remembrance to remind ourselves of just how much God loves us and forgives us. And if you're in a place in your life where you have been hurt and you're dealing with unforgiveness in your heart, ask God to do what he did for Hosea and give him the capacity within his heart to move past the anger and the hurt and move toward loving and healing and forgiveness, to journey through that valley of trouble until we see the door of hope. Let's pause and remember. Well, the price that God was willing to pay was the life of his son, Jesus. And Jesus' body was broken so that we could be made whole. Let's take it and remember. And Jesus, we thank you for healing our brokenness. We just pray today that you bring healing to our brokenness today. You bring healing to broken relationships today. Thank you for your great love. Jesus also shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And the price was paid in full so that we could know relationship with our Heavenly Father. Let's take this in remembrance. Father, Jesus, thank you for being willing to pay that high price that we can be brought back into relationship. That we could know you. I'm thankful that you didn't give up. That your love and your mercy and your compassion were greater than my sin. Your heart was moved to do the hard work of bringing us, me, into relationship with you. If there's anyone here today who has never experienced reconciliation with a father who loves him so much, but you would love to enter into relationship with him, pray this prayer. Father, today I recognize that I have hurt you on repeat, that I, like an unfaithful spouse, have been unfaithful to you. 
and I have broken your heart again and again. Thank you for not giving up on me. Today, as we take this little piece of bread and this little cup of wine, I understand that Jesus died in my place to bring me into relationship with you. Come into my life, lead and guide me, I pray in Jesus' name. I wanna pray for just one more group today. That's for anyone who's feeling injured because of an earthly relationship. Perhaps it's marriage, perhaps it's sibling, maybe it's a relationship between a parent and a child, vice versa. And you're dealing with hurt, with injury, and you're having a hard time moving beyond it. And the unforgiveness is destroying your life and you wanna move beyond that. Let's just pray that the Holy Spirit would enable you to forgive as you have been forgiven. Holy Spirit, forgiveness is hard. We do not minimize that. We recognize it. We recognize the depths of our hurt um, and how it's hard to move past that. And we ask that you would help us to be like God in this way and be able to forgive. Bring healing and wholeness, I pray. Eventually, perhaps there will be uh, a lessening of hurt emotionally, Perhaps one day there may, may be restoration. We would pray for those things. But today we ask that you would help us to take the first step and to forgive. Bring that healing into our life, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this episode has helped you to experience more of God's goodness. If so and you'd like to partner with Celebration, you can do so by texting Happy Church to 77977 or visiting our website. See you next time. Live a life that celebrates God.